Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Awesome. Well, here we are. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. And we just pray that you would uh, do in this place this morning as only you can do. God, bring your word to us. God, and do in us with it as only you can. And you said that your word would not uh, return to you void, but that it would accomplish the thing that you sent it forth to do. God, and, uh, like Mary, God, we, we accept your word. God, uh, so be it unto your servants. God, we just pray it and ask it in your name. Amen and amen. Uh, go with me to James 1. You know, I, I learned recently that it's a thing to be too cold to go somewhere. Growing up around here, I never thought that was really a thing. I thought, well, it's just it's cold. You put your coat on and you go. And uh, this weekend, I was kind of thinking, you know what? It's too cold to go anywhere. So, so I ended up needing to run to Walmart at like 9 o'clock last night. And uh, uh, I was outside and it was snowing in the middle of April. And I was thinking, what am I doing outside? Like, do we really need this stuff? Yeah. And then this morning I was thinking, man, this would be a great day to just stay in my pajamas and curl up with a good book and a cup of coffee. Man. But I was glad when they said, let, unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So here we are. And, you know, as you can see, we drug our feet, make sure that, you know, more people could get here before me. So, you know, it's like as I heard someone saying, you don't have to win, you just have to beat Greg here. So, so, so showing up late is kind of a public service that, that we do. So, you're welcome. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I was reading in Hebrews earlier this week. And uh, in chapter 3, he talks about hearing God's voice today. You know, and in fact, and he, he even says it twice in the same chapter. He said, you know, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And, of course, cites the example of the children of Israel uh, complaining in Numbers 14 and, and the disaster that, that happened to them there. And then he comes back to it and he says, so today... You know, harden not your hearts, you know, but, but hear what he has to say. But before he says that, he says to uh, to hold fast your confidence unto the end. And then he says, while it said today, here's the voice. So sometimes I find that we um, we have this sense of putting off the things that God is doing in our life or the things, the changes that he's going to make or the changes that we want to make or we know He's wanting us to make, rather, until later. Uh, you know, I uh, I am really, really good at procrastinating. You know, it, uh, you know the less you want to do something, the easier it is to find something to do to put it off. It's like, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, I, I don't do a lot of cold calling now, but when I was doing a lot of it, you know, I'd be like, oh, I got an email. I got to check that first. You know, it's like it's Office Depot wanting you to do a survey. It's like, ooh, okay. You know, <laughs> like anything to put off making this phone call. 
you know, which is funny because it's like, what are they going to do to you? you know, I don't know. And, and actually, the longer you put it off, the the worse it is, really. The the bigger it gets, the more unpleasant this this thing gets that you're getting ready to do, and you have to live with that discomfort that much longer. So procrastinating really doesn't make much sense. But anyway, I still do it. Uh, but I find that <coughs> that we um, you know that we have a tendency to not deal so much with today. You know, we we look at this confidence that's off in the future. And it really struck me when I was reading that in Hebrews because he says to hold fast your confidence to the end. And he says, while it's said today, hear what God's saying to you today. Uh, and so that's a really important thing. I spent years with this sense of someday God's going to do something in my life and I'm not going to be off in left field like I am right now. And you know, and sure enough, he did. But there was probably seven years of today's that I had I been paying attention, I could have heard what God had to say today. So here in James... Um, I'm going to start in one uh, nineteen, And he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. So, being swift to hear is an interesting thing. And it's a lot easier said than done. Um, I didn't realize until I was an adult that listening is actually a learned skill that you can you can practice and work on and learn you know and uh, the 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 more stuff you have going on in your life the more your brain is just always running it's like a like i don't know if you've ever looked at like those you do the your computer's acting up and you're like control alt delete and it pops up and it tells you this is what's going on the little task manager tells you that well i'm dealing with like 500 things here and that's why i'm Taking forever doing this thing you wanted me to do, and and no clicking on it 50 times isn't going to make me do it any faster. But the more stuff you have going on in your life, in your mind, the more your brain does that. And the harder it becomes to pay attention to what's being said to you right now. And um, so being swift to hear is an interesting thing because... Um, it's like the sense of, of turning all that stuff off and listening to what's being said to you. And it could be God talking to you. It could be somebody in the body talking to you. Um, but you know, the interesting thing, every time I read a scripture that has anything to do with hearing, you know, it's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to, to heed it and make application to it. Um, Last night, we made this little impromptu list of stuff because I needed one thing at the store. Came back with like ten. and But we were kind of talking over what we needed while I was on the way over there. And Cynthia's like, I think we need syrup. I, I think we're down to like one little bottle or whatever. I was like, okay. So I buy one of those big like gallon things in the bulk aisle because it was the easiest one to find. And... Uh, I used to know where everything was at Walmart. I never go shopping anymore, so I'm like wandering around. But um, And it's a different Walmart, so it's like, I don't know where anything is in this one. And uh, I come home, and I'm putting this stuff away, and we already had two pretty good-sized bottles of syrup anyway. I'm like, oh, well, dang it. It's like, well, at least we have plenty now. 
Yeah, but uh, we were talking about it, and she's like, yeah, but you, you heard what I said. Check. So, um, um, so being swift to hear is a good thing, though, because uh, sometimes um, we're not all the greatest communicators. And sometimes we say things kind of hoping that people are going to get the gist. You know, sometimes we don't want to just have to come out and say, you're being mean. <laughs> Although sometimes we need to. Um, and, and it takes practice. You know, we, uh, the, having an uncomfortable conversation with somebody is obviously uncomfortable. But the, the more often you just kind of bite the bullet and have those conversations, the easier they become to start easier they become to navigate through. And actually, like that's the worst part of, of any of those conversations, typically, is just getting started with it. Um, so, uh, so oftentimes, people don't come right out and tell us, well, this is what I want to talk about. They kind of hem-haw around and beat around the bush and, and talk about other things. Um, and, uh, and I'm not advocating that as a, an effective communication tool. There's, uh, when we were younger... Uh, um, you know, Cynthia had grown up learning to to not do that, and uh, so I, I kind of I would push her into just just tell me what you actually mean, tell me what's really bothering you, and uh, eventually she would, and I was like, see now we're communicating with words as God intended, and uh, it's like I'm I'm not I'm not divining and reading between the lines anymore, and. Uh, uh, because that's another really great way to get communication totally derailed is when you're having to interpret and guess what they mean. So um, I, I'm a big fan of just saying what I mean um, most of the time. So, But, you know, the thing is, is sometimes it's tough because we know we're getting ready to say something that's probably going to upset them. Or, you know, and especially you know, it's like, hey, you know, when you said that thing the other day, that made me feel like this big. You know, we hate telling people that because, for one thing, it makes us feel vulnerable, and two, um, they're either going to um, be um, angry and defensive or they're going to be angry and filled with self-loathing. And we usually don't want to throw e- either of those at them or ourselves. Um, but he says here to be swift to hear. I like how he says not swift to speak. You know, because because he actually says slow to speak, and uh, you know the the funny thing is is uh, the Bible says in Proverbs that he that answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly to him. And so oftentimes we think we know what somebody is saying, and we just kind of jump to a conclusion and cut them off and start talking over them. So then we're not really hearing them; we're just talking uh, about what we think they they want to talk about. Um, The other thing, I like how he he follows up slow to speak with slow to wrath. You know, and this word wrath uh, that he uses here, um, there's usually a different word that that they use for wrath in the Greek. This one typically is used more for for anger. It literally means an agitation of the soul, a violent... Um, emotion, but it's especially used for anger. So it could be any kind of really powerful emotion, but it typically is used for anger here. 
whereas the word it uses for wrath is usually more of a something that's kind of contained, like like an anger that's contained and smoldering versus uh, something that's uh, exploding and noisy, as anger typically is. Um, but uh, but he he talks puts the slow to speak right next to slow to wrath because um, we as people have this kind of self-defensive thing that we do where we defend ourselves by getting angry and, and we, we, we lash out to protect ourselves and uh, uh, or the people we love. You know, Peter grabbed the sword and lashed out to protect Jesus and Jesus told him to put the sword away. That you know, This isn't really going to accomplish anything good. And uh, so the thing is is um, <clears throat> this you know this uh this violent emotion this kind of explosive thing is is really you know anger is like that I was telling my kids that um you know people end up in the hospital every year because they put gasoline on a fire to make it grow or to get it started or whatever and I was telling them it's like you know you can see the fumes coming off of it and just the fumes are enough to cause an explosion and um, so, but if you take something that flammable, it's just going to go, and then it's going to consume all that fuel, and then it's going to go back to burning whatever it was burning before. And anger is like that because we we blow up, and um, and then a few minutes later, once we vented, then we start thinking back about what we just said or what we just did. It's like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. Can't believe I said that. And uh, if you've never had that happen, then we should really talk because I want to know how you did that. Um, but uh, um, so uh, so he says here though that the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God because it's like well the Bible says I should talk to him about it I'm going to talk to him about it you know <laughs> it's like I'm going to let him have it right now. And, you know, it's not, that that's not what God's talking about. It's like, hey, let's calmly discuss this, you know, in a nice, calm, civilized manner without shouting or, um, and, you know, without any kind of passive-aggressive kind of behavior. That's almost worse, isn't it? It's like, I, I'd rather have somebody just yell at me than uh, be snide, um, you know, um, Mike and I had this customer that was really unhappy with us, and we were most unhappy with him. And uh, and he was really just being unreasonable and difficult. And he started kind of pulling out this passive-aggressive stuff, like being insulting but not really outright. And and I could just feel this wrath boiling inside of me. And, and I thought, oh, I could just throw him down the stairs. But... Like he's really unhappy. I'm doing him a favor, but um, you know, eventually, you know, we just had, you know, but we had to work through that calmly. It's like I just had to put that aside, you know, and it's like okay, now here's, well, here's the deal. And eventually, we ended up telling him. Long story short, we will give you money to go away and just drop this, and uh, and he took it. So, 
I hate doing that. I, I don't, you know, I, I hate it. But, but, uh, but, but, you know, it's interesting how he says the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Because I've heard people say, oh, well, Jesus, you know, anger is a cleansing thing for the temple. That's what Jesus did. It's like, eh. That's entirely different, though. So, um, I like, this is a really fun, fun verse. I like this. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity, Thank you. Of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You should have seen me trying to get through that word over and over again yesterday. <laughs> Superfluity. Superfluity. And then uh, worked on it. Everything short of Betty bought a bit of better, better, whatever it is. Oh. Yeah, and. And I, I I love how English throws you these curveballs because you look at it and you would think it would be superfluity, but it's not. It's superfluity. So, superfluous is one of my favorite words. It's really fun. It's kind of an un, unnecessary word, but thank you, John. Thank you. Okay. But anyway, he says to lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And I love I love the word naughtiness. It's so great. Because it sounds so innocent and 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 just kind of ornery, but this word is actually wickedness, which is entirely different. And so, uh, it's interesting where he's he's talking about these things about being swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath, and talks about laying apart filthiness and excessive wickedness. You know, how much wickedness would be excessive? Probably any. So he says to lay that aside and to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, and and I like I like that meekness. Um, you know, receiving with meekness this engrafted word because so often we'd like to We'd like to think that we don't have these problems. You know, we'd like to think that we've got it more together than that, that we're more grown up than that, or or more mature than that, you know, in, uh, spiritually or, or whatever. Uh, you know, the uh, truth is, is you know, we're headed toward a city. You know, leaving the garden, headed towards the city, and as Ron is so fond of saying, there are people there. That's the whole problem. So. You know, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't really have that much trouble getting along with people, typically. I just, I'm like, hey, I'm going to church. Everybody's so great. This is going to be a good time. Hey, how are you? So it makes me wonder, is anybody looking at me like, oh, I hate that guy. So, <clears throat> I should hope not, because that's exactly what he's talking about. Is about not having that kind of stuff going on in in the church uh, because it it shouldn't you know God's been talking about getting ready and and being and being prepared you know and one of the things that Paul talked about in um, I want to say Corinthians maybe it was was that um, that if there's envying and, and strife among you then you're carnal and walking as men and 
I read that sermon yesterday that Ron was talking about, the G. Campbell Morgan sermon, Clean for Service. And that is a barn burner and a half. But it's awesome because he talks about the, the entire purpose of the existence of the church is not to have a people that God could just lavish his love on. The purpose of the church is so the world can see him. And, uh, and he's like, and so anything less than that, the church is falling short. The church is not doing its job. The church is not doing the very only thing that he intended for it to do. Uh, and so getting these things cleaned up really is part of that. And so he says um, uh, in verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. So, um, you know, this, this, uh, you know, he takes this sense of, of hearing again that we were just talking about, the swift to hear. And then he starts talking about being a hearer of the word. That's great. But he said, you need more than that. You need to be a doer of the word. And so, which goes back to what I talked about before, about the procrastinating and the and and hearing God's voice for today. Because you can hold fast your confidence to the end. And yes, you should. Uh, and I think sometimes, like I said, we transfer that sense of God getting things done in my life to someday, not today. And so we... Uh, we take the things that God says, we show up, and we are busy thinking about whatever and not really hearing what he's saying to us, not really making application or compartmentalizing these things under, well, this is just something that God's going to do in me. It's like, well, yeah, but there's lots of things that he expects us to do also because because we have a responsibility to behave righteously. And, and that comes down to a choice that we have. Uh, I, I love the book of James because the first time I read it, first ten times I read it, I thought, this is totally contradictory to everything Paul said. This doesn't make any sense. Like he's talking about you know, showing your works and, and all this stuff, and that if you don't have works, you're in trouble. And I was like, but, but Paul just said that... It, no, but of course, Paul is talking about your salvation, and Paul's talking about um, the unmerited favor of God and and His righteousness being imputed to us by faith, and and how that relates to um, to the pearly gates swinging open when we get there. What James is talking about is if you have that inside, then people should be able to see something on the outside that that. You know, an apple tree doesn't work at growing apples. It just grows them because it has this life inside of it that produces fruit. And that's what we should do. And that's what James is talking about. Um, but, you know, we're not exactly like a tree because we do have to... There's this man, There's le, this bit of consent that goes on. which, And I love it how he says to receive... Uh, with meekness, the engrafted word, just like a tree, you know. I, I tried that with a tree once, but I'm not exactly an arborist, so it, it didn't really work very well. <laughs> but uh, 
I, I had borrowed this zero-turn mower from somebody, and it was like the best thing ever, and I just ran this little tree right over while I was trying to, uh, you know, get the hang of it, and uh, uh, I was really frustrated. But uh, it did manage to live, but it wasn't quite what I, didn't quite turn out like I hoped it would. But, uh, so, so then he says that we need to not just be hearer, but a doer, because you can, uh, you can be hearing what someone says with your ears, but you're, you're not really listening to it, you're not really heeding it, because you're actually thinking about what you're going to say next, uh, particularly if, if it's an argument. And, and so, uh, what? <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about what I was going to say next. Um, <laughs> no, you you really can. Uh, you can, you know, the the sound vibrations can come across the room and land in your ears, and you can be hearing what someone is saying without actually listening to them at all because you're busy thinking about what you're going to say next. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, that could be an argument. That could just be they're telling you a story about something that. You know, you're only vaguely interested in, and you just remembered, I really wanted to tell them about such and such. And so now you're just kind of thinking about that, and you're just sort of nodding and along waiting for them to finish talking so that you, you know, so that you can, uh, wait a polite interval and then change the subject. Um, but, so he says that we need to not just be a hearer, but a doer. And he said that if you're a doer of the word, or if you said that if you're a, a hearer only, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror, you know. And uh, uh, which is such a great illustration of what the Bible does, because you should be able to look in the mirror and see yourself, you know. And there's plenty of times you're going to look in the mirror and just be like, "Hey," you know. But then there's going to be, pl- <laughs> <you know. laughs> okay. I confess, but there's <laughs> there's also going to be plenty of times you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, jeez. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, but he said that if you are a hearer only, then you're like a man that looks in the mirror and beholding himself, verse 24, goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. Um, it's it's like the person that has like the the perpetual cow lick. You know, it's like they they didn't look down like this or whatever. And I know because I have to do that. But um, you can totally forget about it. It's like you could see it there, and uh, and and not fix it, and then off you go. Um, you know, that's the thing is, is you can. You, you, the reason that you look in the mirror is not so that you can, you know, hey, you look at yourself in the mirror to make sure that you look okay. So that somebody else can look at you and go, hey. But, um, sorry. I'm on a roll today. Um, but, uh, but he says here, um, that we should, that we shouldn't be forgetful. Of, of what we saw when we looked in the mirror. And that's what happens when we come to church. We look in the mirror and sometimes we see things that we'd rather not see. I, I remember one time 
God bringing me to this conclusion uh, that I had a really bad attitude problem. And um, I worked with Kevin and uh, uh, all the time. I mean, it's just us, like 35, 40 hours a week. And so he knew me quite well. And uh, one day we were just talking, and I was really just feeling weighed down with this realization of what a jerk I was. And uh, um, I was like, you know, I, just, I had this revelation yesterday. It's like, I, I'm a butthead. And, and and it was really great because he just kind of looked at me like trying not to laugh. <laughs> and uh, I can just imagine the, the gamut of things that went through his mind. But he was like, no, man. It's like, you know, God, God works with us and he deals with our stuff. <laughs> you know, insert generic encouragement here. You know, because, you know, and, and he's right. You know, God works us through our stuff. But... Uh, sometimes we look in the mirror and we see things that we would rather not see. But uh, And so what he's telling us here is you can be a hearer only and you can have seen the thing in the mirror and then go away and be like, eh, well, and just leave it. Or you can be a, a doer of the Word. And he says here in verse 25, But whoso looks at the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deed. So, um, there are things that we can fix. There are things we can't fix. And, uh, you know, I think God really teaches us the difference because even the things we can't fix, He still needs us to work with Him on it. He still needs us to cooperate. He still needs us to sign the consent form to cut this thing out of me. And so, uh, in either case, we have this this place of being a doer of, of things of the Word of God. And so he says in verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's interesting how he, he brings that back to what the things that you say. Because it's really easy when your emotions are stirred up, when you're having this this agitation of soul, it's easy for your, your tongue to get away from you. Um, and so he said, you could seem like you've got it all together, and then you have this stimulus happen to you. And then you find out what's really inside. And uh, and so the, so he says that, you know, if you, if you can't, you know, keep a, a bridle on your tongue, then, then, then you're deceiving yourself. So in verse 27, he says, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So, of course, you know, taking care of the widows and the orphans is a great thing. And, and keeping ourselves unspotted from the world, there's this pull from the world to be like everybody else, to participate in the things that we do. You know, there's... Because our, our, our society talks so much about uh, diversity and inclusiveness and, and all this stuff. Um, at the same time, uh, um, it has become its own thing that you have to belong to. You know, you, know, you, you, you can't be, you have to be diverse and, and you have to be this and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and if you... You know, if you have a, a more traditional view 
and and you you know you call it like you see it from the Word of God, then suddenly you're a bigot. Um, and uh, <clears throat> but the funny thing is, is you know, you know, guys been talking so much about kids lately, and kids especially crave acceptance. I mean, as an adult, you can kind of stuff it down and deal with it a little better, I think. But as children, um, that sense of ne- of needing to be a part of something and to be included is is really really strong. And so to uh, that sense of rejection then is a lot more difficult for a child to deal with than it is for an adult. And um, you know, and so what we want then is to to uh, you know the kids that we deal with, you know, whether it be in our own family or, or or wherever at work or whatever, we want to instill in them that sense of being included here, included with us. You know that that you you know you belong in the house of God. You belong in the family of God. Um, and, uh, and you know, I think, you know, you really just have to just have the presence of God to do that. But um, because when you're dealing with people like that, you really are dealing with the fatherless. You know, you really are dealing with the widows because they haven't, they haven't met their real father. And uh, <clears throat> so um, I guess you could kind of sum up this whole passage uh, there by saying that um, it's not about how we how we look to other people. It's it's what's inside of us and and how we you know how we exercise that self control that that God has has put inside of us to um, uh, modulate the things that we do. Uh, because if we if we don't let God do those things in us, then uh, then we aren't clean for service. We aren't in a, a position where where the world can really see God in us, because then we'd look just like everybody else with the uh, infighting and all kinds of stuff. So, Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us, and and we take seriously these things that that you uh, have brought to us. God, we want our hearts to be clean for service. God, we want nothing inside of us to fall short of what you have um, uh, set out as your standard in your word. And we want to be exactly what you want us to be, doing what you want us to do. And God, we, we want these things to be perfectly cleaned up in our lives. God, as only you can do. God, that we... Uh, God, James goes on to talk more and more about the tongue and, and what a uh, uh, an unruly thing it is. God, and I pray that that you would bring that fire on, on our tongues. God, but not just the tongue; it has to come on the mind. God, because the the that's where the the words that the tongue says comes from. God, and so we pray that you would just change those things that need changed in every one of us. God, that we would look in the mirror. God, uh, and and look honestly at the reflection that we see, God, and deal with you honestly from that basis. God, we just pray it and ask it in your righteous name. And God, in this place today, every need you know, and we pray that you would meet every need in this place as only you can. In your perfect name we pray. Amen. Amen.